This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. We have just watched Lewis Hamilton crowned another world champion. This is John Massigale sitting in studio with Les Kaiser and Jonathan Green. What do you think, boys? Well, it was inevitable. Yeah, I think so. He did it. But um, yeah, no, it good. And fantastic by Verstappen, uh, especially under that pressure uh, of the fact that he you know, really s- simply thinking that he was going to blow up. I mean, he was ver- he was the first guy on the radio to say, turn me down, turn me down, turn me down. Yeah, I guess that was a pretty mature move by him. Yeah, heartbreak. Red Bull style again for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, yeah, but we have a new world champion, another world champion for world for Lewis Hamilton, number five, and only the second man in history to achieve five. Uh, And I say that because Fangio uh, got five, and of course Michael Schumacher seven. So he's got two more to go before he beats Michael. But that's uh, that's rarefied air. Yeah, and even if he could get six and have that position all by himself, that'd be astounding. And, you know, I don't... He has this different attitude about him than we've seen. We said it in the earlier show, but where he is kind of introspective and all that, and who knows if he's considering retirement, but I I, I could easily see him winning one more, if not two. Yeah, I, and there's no reason. And I think he'll uh, live out his days, as it were, live out his career at Mercedes, uh, unless Mercedes drop the ball in some way uh, and Renault start or Ferrari start to dominate, which you know is hard to see in this era, given the expense and given... The, the only thing that maybe could trip up Lewis, I think, is the change of the rules in yeah. 2021. Yeah, the 2021. Okay. But seriously, what would they actually consider that would be that impactful? Well, we, we say that, but think about before Mercedes was running the, in the turbo hybrid era... You know, we did not expect to see Mercedes dominance, although it's not surprising given their resources. But still, something could happen in theory. It could, but I I just don't see anything being that sizable because of the budget that's required when you go to such a substantial change. Look at the best of the rest. We're already dealing with budgets on engines that have been run for several years now. If they did anything substantial, that's going to handicap those rear of the grid again. Yeah, it's true. Well, let's jump back to the beginning of the race. What about the start, boys? Yeah, I mean, the, the, in many ways, we expected... I said four wide into the first corner. I wasn't far off, was I? Yeah, you were. Actually, it was four wide for a minute there. But Hamilton blasted out, and and it looked like that, uh, that, that Vettel just did not have a good start at all. Yeah, Vettel just seemed to have stumbled. And then we had, you know, with, with the other, I just really thought that uh, Ricardo was going to stay up front. He stumbled, Vettel stumbled. Thank goodness Max didn't. Max kept it alive and kept Hamilton from just zipping around. But we had a good, clean first lap. That was a little bit surprising. I, I really didn't know what to expect for sure, but we had a nice, clean first lap. Good start to the race. Yeah, except for you know a couple of them overshot the end, as we expected. Uh, saw that going on. A lot of shrapnel took its casualties. Uh, yep. Fernando Alonso got taken out by shrapnel. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he was definitely uh, out and not happy about it and stopped the car, a lot of fans. And I, I never heard exactly. I thought maybe it was a puncture, but I don't think so. Did we ever hear exactly what happened? I believe that's the one we saw, uh, what looked like smoke coming up after the shrapnel hit and the debris. Oh, yeah. And so uh, very well could have taken out a radiator or something of that nature. Yes, sir. And our Haas team, uh, well, let's see. They beat the guys that didn't uh, finish the race, at least. <laughs> That's about all I, I can say. I love the fact that John Massagel has this ability to have positiveness. <laughs> so he came last. You're, you're such a non-American. How can you? Yeah, well, they, they, they weren't beaten by those that didn't take part. <laughs> they were first and first and second from the back. Yeah, yeah, they were they were first and second from the, from the cars that I weren't running. Uh, that was about it. The most yeah. positive man in the world. Well, that's about what we were expecting after qualifying the Haas well, team did not yeah, look we knew the arrow their arrow kit just isn't up to what a lot of others are and so uh, that I think they're still trying to get a handle on what racing at altitude is you know that that's that's just something and that's so different it could be I, I really don't know but obviously th- this is their worst finish of the season and Monaco being another bad race another place where arrow plays it with the lack of arrow just a, it, it's these two races we knew they weren't going to do well what worries me is that fight between them and Renault could now be pretty Pretty much done because Renault yeah. had two good finishes in Austin, and again they finished well here. So uh, the gap that was eight points is probably now. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is. But well, it, it was twenty-eight, eight going into Austin, twenty-two going in today. So it's going to be insurmountable. Yeah. yeah. Yep, not looking good. So what about some of the other stories we had? Uh, you know, the midfield. You had Leclerc looking good, Hulkenberg, and Van Dorn. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I'm well impressed with Renault's finish to the season. It seems ironic that um, Ricardo blows an engine when the Renault factory team is flying. <laughs> yep, it's true. And I'm seeing a couple of quotes from Lewis Hamilton. He says today, he says, it was a very strange feeling. It, it, it wasn't one here. It was one with hard work throughout the, the season to a lot of races. Fangio did it with Mercedes, so it's incredible. It's this quote. So yeah. yes, rarefied air. Uh, it is. I mean, you know, people people look at Fangio as though he was some sort of godlike figure, and in many ways, in Argentina, he was, uh, and it still is, uh, revered that way as a motor racing driver. And yeah, for Hamilton to be up there, uh, but you know, let's face it, he was born to this. Uh, I'm not surprised to see it. if you'd have predicted it uh, when he joined Formula One. Could he win five titles? I would have said, yeah. Wow, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. So, Max Verstappen, win number five for him. I was thinking he had a few more than that, but that sounds about right. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, isn't it interesting? Uh, I still, I'm, I'm, there's a book to be written, I think, on the strategy of Formula One drivers. Alonso, two titles, and out of Formula One because he's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Hamilton, five titles because he chose to gamble on Mercedes when they hadn't won a race. Yeah, and it's so hard to compare. I'm just, when you're sitting there talking, I'm going, who's better in my head? I don't know. Yeah, that's the point. It's, I don't it's know. Not, it's, a, it's a case of strategy. It's like chess. Um, you know, honestly, uh, wheel to wheel, who's better, Alonso or um, Hamilton? Yeah. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. But the strategy, the decisions they make to do their career paths uh, have made the difference between where they'll be in history. Yeah, you put Hamilton in this place at Mercedes. Mercedes right now, where he has the best of the best of the best. I mean, he's got his own psychotherapist. He's got his own, he's got the best car. He's got the best power unit. He's got the best aerodynamics. He has everything. And he's kind of moved to this plane. But have you had you given how many other drivers the same opportunity? Could they have performed as well? A few, let's say. Honestly, I I had this conversation with Carl Kurt with the young F. 
three driver that won the championship for uh, the United States. And honestly, there is half a second between all of these guys. I yeah. honestly believe that. I really do. Um, and you look at the times when they're in the junior ranks. Uh, there's nothing between them. Um, and so the bottom line is it's it's being in the right situation at the right time, having the right package. It's a combination of a good engineer. It's a combination of the right engine. Um, but yeah, do I think that uh, if somebody was in Hamilton's seat, could, could Hulkenberg do what he's done? Yes, he could. You know, isn't that fascinating, though, about you think of professional sports and Hamilton has his own psychotherapist, the one they showed today. Sure. We've seen her many times in the garage, right? You don't hear about that in any other sport. Tom Brady's psychotherapist. And I'm looking at our producer because he's a major stick and ball sports guy. But it's, you wouldn't, you've it's never Bill, heard of It's Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he is a psychotherapist. Yeah, absolutely. That's a nightmare. Speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill comes and visits him in the middle of the night. <laughs> that, that's a with, scary with his thought. coat open. Oh, God, hey, hey. Come I, on I, now. I think we've just gone to a place that I'm not comfortable. We're with. not going there. All right. So, what about some of the other stories down the grid here today, guys? Um, you know, with, what? Did yeah, win? Kimi Raikkonen did he, not win. Did not win, and I'm kind of invisible today a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel really badly for Ricardo. I thought this was a, a great place for him to shine. Uh, it didn't happen, and uh, but you know that pole position lap was fantastic. Uh, only the first time, well, it's the first time he's done it outside of Monaco, and I think. Any any pole position at Monaco tells you everything you want to know about a racing driver. Mm, yeah, good point. You know, I mean, <clears throat> mine, one of my favorite moments was actually after the race. Vettel and Lewis Hamilton congratulating each other on a great race, clean race. It, it was it, That kind of thing is what I like, seeing after all of the battle. We talked about it years ago, you know, sense of battle on a friendly field. They demonstrate the real personality behind it. I you know, you didn't, you didn't really start seeing that until Hamilton pretty much had it wrapped up. I mean, I, I agree with you, it's great, but you didn't start seeing seen it till about two races ago when Hamilton had it wrapped, wrapped up and was then was talking nice about Vettel and defending Vettel, remember, a couple of races That's ago. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it's great to see, for sure, good sportsmanship, but I also want to see my gladiator competitors. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Jonathan, you, were, you had a couple of points uh, that you were talking about earlier, and one of them, oh, I can't remember, was you had a great point about the Red Bull car Oh, I can't remember now, but... The, just the way... No, I, what I was noticing was just how well-planted it is through the, the those fast yeah. S's and the camera angles really showed you just how well that chassis that Red Bull have built. They're not the fastest car in a straight line. Uh, they reckon they're losing half a second down the main straights. But when you watch it go through those uh, S's, Adrian Newey's brilliance comes to be. And it's just it's just the way it's... so. Like I said, the only word I can think of is planted because it, it is just stable. Uh, whereas you see the Ferrari rolling and you see the Mercedes rolling slightly the, the Red Bull is just like you know and I said it earlier in the pre-show is that they they have built their car you know they knew they weren't going to compete at every track but they they right. felt like they built their car for a couple of circuits and this being one of them for sure and man I, if you think about it had they not won today that would have been a huge disappointment for Red Bull yeah you know what you talk about watching the race and watching the cars how flat they are and looking at all the the fine details that we get in Formula One, whether it's slow-mos or whatever, I was telling Les, I bet you next year in the U.S. we get 4K. We don't have an option for 4K right now. I don't think there's any option. I don't think you can get it on online, on ESPN, but I bet you we get it next year. And uh, we'll have to talk to the studio. We're going to have to equip the studio with multiple 4K uh, televisions. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I think anyway, worked. Sure. What, what is this? 4K? 4K, as in high resolution 4K television, no. like like HD times four. <laughs> You're such a, a luddite. He's such a nut. So it's, oh, it's, it, yeah, it's television. It's like pixels? It's like pixels, yeah. yeah it's okay. like massive pixels. Okay, got it. All right, so let's look. Slow. So it's clearer. It's clearer, yeah. I won't need to wear my glasses. Exactly. Now you you're talking. Wait, wait, wait. All right, what about Hartley? Hartley's looking good. <laughs> you said it earlier. He's racing for his job. He's right, he is racing for yeah. his career. I actually think they should and will keep him. And I've said it, and I actually said it to him at Silverstone, is that uh, because of Honda developing for Red Bull, i.e. the whole process of Toro Rosso right now, is to put that engine in the Red Bull for next year uh, and make them winners, that Hartley, at 30 years of age and now two years with that engine, should be the guy that they turn to to ask his opinion on how to develop it. And I and I hope, that's my hope, that, um, you know, just because his results haven't been great, um, that he will get that opportunity. I, I, I just think he's a great racer driver and he just hasn't shown yet. Yes, sir. He's a world champion. Yeah. <laughs> how could, yeah. He's just not here. <laughs> right. And Daniel Ricciardo, uh, after uh, being out today, that was 11 of 23. Of the last 23 he's raced, that was the 11th race he was retired. He's ready to hang out with Andy Stobart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Renault's going to sound real good to him. He's ready to go over there, the Renault. And, you know, you've been saying this for, what, about about 10 races now. That, that Renault may be the team to watch next well, year. Well, and, and the irony is, I mean, just as I just mentioned Hartley, think about the same thing. Daniel Ricciardo has driven for Renault with Renault power since his 3.5 days so if there's anybody you want as a judge on what happens when the engine goes right. in the middle of a race and why and all the rest of it he's the guy <laughs> yeah he's been using he's your power unit he's a retirement specialist is that what you're well, saying <laughs> <laughs> no but he's certainly the doyon of what renault have been out for the last 10 years for sure yeah uh, it's true and it, and it unfortunately it is sad but he does have all that experience <laughs> that of dealing with all these these development issues which is what Renault needs so absolutely he's he's been through it in so many different things I mean admittedly when he got to Porsche for the WEC they were they were well on their way and didn't need much input but that's that's why I keep going the sky is better than what we're seeing sure yeah and one of the fun stories to watch this year so we'll and we'll see what happens in the off season and stuff but all right let's go ahead and take a quick break you're listening to speed city we're doing our show we're here live in austin texas and we will be back after these messages hey beer people it's christine salas and i'm daytona salas brewery is back in austin and brewing again Oh, Salas does it ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery. Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly, time-trial, loose-surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner Breanne Korn and her brother Kevin Korn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at LoneStarRallycross.com. 
MV Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Talk 1370. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City. We are live in Austin, Texas, and we're right recapping the Mexico Grand Prix. Let me run down the uh, the grid today, and we'll talk about the rest here in a minute. Max Verstappen, winner of today's race. Sebastian Vettel, second. Kimi Raikkonen, third. Lewis Hamilton, fourth. Wrapping up the championship. Valtteri Botas, fifth. Nico Hulkenberg, Charles Leclerc, Stoffel Vendorn, Marcus Ericsson, and Pierre Gasly round out the top ten. Ocon, Hartley, Stroll, Sorotkin, and then the best of those that finished Magnussen and Grosjean and out of the race today. Didn't finish Ricardo, Perez, Carlos Sainz, and Alonso, all with mechanical issues, did not finish the race today. So, all right, boys. Well, so, you know, Lewis Hamilton winning the championship, wrapping it up. And what are we going to watch for in the rest of the season, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's, you know, Brazil. Brazil's always good because there's always a possibility of rain um, in uh, Sao Paulo. Um, and Abu Dhabi, well, I don't know. We, uh, To be honest, I look towards Abu Dhabi as, as a more, more importantly, to the testing. Uh, Lance Stroll's going to be testing a Force India. Um, there's going to be some youngsters out there. Um, it's always good. Um, but no, we, we, we haven't. I mean, we've really got to focus now on that battle for fourth place between Renault and um, Haas. Yeah, it's Renault and the Haas team. Yep, exactly. All right, I, I think we have a guest on the line. Jonathan, we've been talking to Paul Tarsi all season, and I want you to introduce him, and let's get his take on the historical factors of today. He is the man. Paul Tarsi is the man that comes uh, to, to mind when you think about all things historically. I worked with him in Monaco at the historic F1 race. That's pretty um, cool, too. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He's got his own website. I'm sure he'll tell us about it. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's always great to talk to both about what's happening today and what's happened and, and where it fits in. And I know he'll have something to say about the, the comparison between Fangio and uh, Hamilton. All right. Well, let's welcome to the show Paul Tarsi. Paul, how are you today? I'm in very good shape, thank you guys, and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed watching that, that great motor race. I mean, the, the circuit itself is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because it's very Mickey Mouse through that stadium centre, but uh, but besides that, awesome speeds down that start-finish line. They're talking about 230 miles an hour down there, which is incredible, and the fastest speed that any Formula One car gets to on any circuit in the world. So it's a it's a pretty amazing place. Yeah, really, those speeds are incredible. I'm assuming we can chalk up a lot of those speeds to the thinness and the lack of of, uh, of resistance at uh, at that altitude. Uh, it sounds like we lost Paul. Where was Paul calling in from? Is he in the UK? Yeah, he's in the UK, UK, yeah. yeah. Above sea ah, level. There it is. always used to be in years gone by that it was a real problem. Obviously, with modern turbocharged engines, that doesn't apply. But back in the day, 
uh, the when they were running, you know, the four three-liter DFV engine and those kind of things, they were a hundred brake horsepower down at that circuit, and that's that's when they were running um, from 1962 through to 1970 was the first part of of the life of that circuit. There have actually been three circuits that have run the Mexican Grand Prix, but they're all on the same site. So it's it's that the first site that we ever saw was. 1962 to 70, when the circuit was called the Magdalena circuit, and that was that was a big, fast, really sorting the men from the boys kind of race circuit. Uh, that it's a bit like Monza in that it's wow. not only very quick, but it's also built in a park, so in the middle of Mexico City, and that they always had that late October race date early on, and that that was usually in those days the final race of the series. And it's surprising that um, it was ever there was ever a second. Paul's cutting it now, but I didn't realize that it was late in the year, just like it is mm. now. That's pretty cool. And the fact well, that, it, but uh, but the local hero in the first ever race, who was Ricardo Rodriguez. Ah, yes, and, the Rodriguez brothers. <laughs> yeah, well, he was the, the first ever Mexican Grand Prix killed Ricardo Rodriguez, and so it's amazing that there was ever a second one, but we, we now can see that with the 1986 to 1992 iteration, the circuit still on the same bit of, bit of real estate, but in a different kind of place, and that that was then named the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, mm. uh, the, named after the Rodriguez brothers, and that that was same place, same stuff, but a very different kind of circuit, a lot more a lot more in the way of chicanes and slowing the, the place down. But it was still a pretty awesome place. Uh, and that's very, very unusually in 1987, in its second iteration there, we saw a two-part race because Derek Warwick had a huge accident um, in his uh, in his car and that they actually had to stop the race. I think, I think it's quite funny that Derek Warwick, who had that accident, who's now the steward. Yeah. Now, now one of the uh, one of the stewards. He is. <laughs> he was there last week in Austin. Well, Paul, I got to ask you. What about the you know the two things? One, we realize that because of Mexico, with the connection with Tabo Hillman, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Circuit of the Americas more than likely had not the success Correct. of Mexico because Tabo Hillman's father was a promoter in some later years of the Mexican Grand Prix. So I thought that was just an interesting thought. But but where I since you're such a doyen of history. F1 history, I got to ask you about the historical place of Lewis Hamilton now after winning five championships. Where, in your mind, where does this put him? Obviously tied for second, but but in 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 the the bigger perspective. And, yeah, and can you compare him to Fandy? Yeah, I I think it's very difficult to be to be honest because you you're you're comparing apples and oranges because if you look at Fangio that when he was racing when he ran, when he won his fifth Grand Prix he was in his 40s and that uh, his, his fifth championship he was in his 40s and that drivers had a much longer racing life then but he was also a sports car driver he came to to the fore of course in the uh, Carrera Panamericana um, which was that huge very very dangerous race um, across South America, which was more a rally than a race. But he, he drove all sorts of things, and I think it's it's unfair in both directions to try and compare uh, Hamilton to Fangio. I mean, to, to my mind, somebody who will go out and on the on the other weekends that he's not racing Grand Prix, will go and race a, a Mercedes sports car or a, 
a Ferrari sports car or, or something else, I think is, is to me, the purer racing driver. But I don't think that takes anything away from Lewis Hamilton. I just think that the times are different. I, I would love, love, love see some of these guys in something other than a single-seater race car. And I think that it's a shame that we don't see that anymore because if, if you think about it, these guys... They come up through Formula Four. That you know, in, in in days of yore, they might have come through Barber Saab or, or something like that. They go through Formula Three, Formula Two, and then they're into Formula One. That you know, we're 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 seeing drivers coming in now at an incredibly young age, and they've never driven anything, raced anything, but a single seater car, and <laughs> that's. I think that's why it's so difficult to compare like for like. Yeah, we which were is, saying something similar earlier. Which is why Alonso's next 10 years are going to be fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that will be. Paul, uh, with your history background, i got to ask you one more question. We were talking last week after the United States Grand Prix here in Austin. Now, now that we've had six of them here, is it six or seven? Seven. Seven Grand Prix here in Austin. What we felt like after working with, uh, being out in the crowds, being in the paddock with the drivers and teams and everybody, it felt like that Austin is now we've we've there's no there's no doubt anymore there's no clouds that Austin is now truly the home of the United States Formula One and that they they've they've set they've they've created a a, a spot in history and a spot that a foundation to grow the sport and I want to get your take on it having been such uh, a long time participant in the sport. Yeah, I, I think without any doubt that the Circuit of the Americas has um, cemented its place in, in motorsport law. I think that it's done that and that it has every right to. But I think this is one of those those differences in in cultures, in call it what you will, that Formula One is without doubt a European series. I mean, that's where it came from. That's where most of the manufacturers are based. That's where That's where the heart of the thing is, is in Europe. But I think, therefore, it was always going to be difficult. But I think it is, it is absolute madness mm. that the, the home of the automobile, which is, of course, the United States, doesn't have more coverage and more Grand Prix. And that, that clearly there is room for more than one U.S. Grand Prix. And that I think, for, for my, from my point of view, as, as both a purist and, a, and an old fuddy-duddy... Oh, come, come. <laughs> On, on both of those counts, I think that it's, it's crazy that we haven't got that and that we went through the, the those bad Eccleston years, the, the, the bad end of the Eccleston years, where we were having Grand Prix in, in all sorts of strange places. And I still find it ridiculous. Azerbaijan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Azerbaijan is, is a very, very good example. That, yeah. that why, why have we got a Grand Prix there when we haven't got another one in the United States? Yeah, it makes no sense. Zero. That's... That's crazy. That's absolute madness. And we know that in the in the back end of CVC Capital's ownership, and let's not put it all at Bernie's door because I think it was sure. the people who actually owned owned the uh, the rights that they were saying, "Fine, if somebody comes up with the money, then we'll yeah, do it." And that's basically that, the attitude. Wasn't it? That we saw a lot of places do that. So, I mean, going back to your question about Fangio, no, and Fangio is without doubt one of the greatest, if not the greatest, race drivers of all time. I. I I think you get to the point with all of this, though, that you say, how many of those drivers on the grid today, if you put them in a Mercedes, how many of them would win the race? Mm. And I, there is no answer to that, but it's, uh, 
it's a fascinating thought that, that the car is so much what it is. Now, yes, you can quote back to me about the fact that Bottas is considerably slower than Hamilton if you know when they're both on form and everything's working well. But nonetheless, I think that you know, there are probably half a dozen drivers on, in that field who, if they had Hamilton's equipment, would have done a very similar job. And you can talk about maybe thin ice here, Maybe Vettel, Ricardo, undoubtedly Alonso, um, even Raikkonen, you, and you know that Verstappen would have walked the field for the last two years if he'd had a Mercedes. And that's, uh, I think it's you know it's you can't compare, but I think uh, I know it's it's Paul. You just you can't because we we agree that it's just the hardware's different, the times are different, everything's different. But but Paul, we're out of time. Uh, Paul Tarsi, F1 historian. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And, we want to talk Brazil with you next week. Yeah, we'll talk Brazil next week. Thanks a lot, Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, All right, Paul. we're, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. All right, guys. Well, I want to welcome into the studio. We have a guest in the studio, one of our new sponsors, Haggerty Insurance. And we got Sean Walker with Haggerty. Sean, welcome to the studio. Hey, hey, I'm here. Well, we're excited to have you because uh, you guys are the go-to in any sort of classic car, any kind of special kind of car, and even some racing uh, car insurance. And Haggerty is the name. Everybody knows that. But we're here today. We're going to talk about a special car, man. We've been, you sent us the link. We've been looking at some photos and stuff. And we're going to be able to see this car soon. But tell us about the car. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. Do I have any race, ha- race fans around? Uh, uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, well, you know, Porsche's 70th year. Um, and we're zeroing in on a Porsche race car to uh, showcase at the Sellis Brewery event. You know, uh, RM Sotheby's just had an auction yesterday. Uh, and a 959 Paris Dakar car. Wow. Went, went for uh, $5,945 million. So there's <laughs> American some, dollars? American, that's USD. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's some value to be had for these Porsche vintage race cars, and I've got a really, a really big one for you for the Celis event. Well, let's, uh, yeah. let, let's hear about it. It's a 1968? 1968 911S Coupe. Wow. Not uh, just any of them. Not just not just any car. No, this was driven by uh, Davy Jordan for the Vasek Polak race team in 1967. Um, they bought it off the floor in uh, California for $6,600. <laughs> uh, uh, co- you know, I'll double their money back if they're looking to move this thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we're approaching seven figures for the value of this car now. <laughs> not yeah. counting the so, zero, zero or 99 cents. Yeah, yeah. We, won't, we won't count the decimal. Um, but it's but one of how many? It's one of two that was imported that year. So legally imported cars... <laughs> One of two. Okay, two. <laughs> that's a, that's a, the lower the number, the better. But that's pretty. Just good. To be clear, this isn't a Corvette like you always hear the dissected Corvette owner right. going a blue with the tan interior. The, no, the yeah. you know, it's just one of two. No, yeah, this is this is one of two that was no exclusion states legally. I'll say legally because we don't know how. Yeah, know, yeah. Others came in, but. Um, you know, it's a 911S car, which means it was not up to our standards for pollution. It wasn't up, up to our standards for safety. But it was um, fast. But it was fast. <laughs> and 
Uh, Vasek Polak asked for this car specifically for this season. Um, it had a rally kit and a race kit put on it. Um, it took that K2 race kit, um, took the Coney shocks uh, and upgraded them, took that 2.0 liter uh, engine and added a new carburetor, added stacks, um, and bigger cylinder heads, things like that, to make it fast on the on the track. They were going up against the Burst team uh, for the national championship after Davey Jordan had already clinched the divisional title for SCCA. So uh, Bursch also had one of these cars. So it was a 911S car versus a 911S car. They called it the Duel at Daytona. Um, Wow. Yeah, and those two went head-to-head. Now, uh, the Polak team ended up having some gear problems. So even though they had the rally kit, they had the K2 race kit, they just didn't really pay attention to the gearbox itself, um, and the Bursch team did. So they ended up losing by about eight seconds on that track Ah. that day. Um, But the vintage uh, of the race car has only added value to the car um, over the years, and it's really the only one we know of that has the original metal on it. The original sheet wow. metal. So this car is going to go for the price that, like, you're, you're going to have a short list of, of buyers like Jerry Seinfeld. He's probably at the top of the list. <laughs> I would think, yeah, Jerry's probably had his eye on this car for a while. Jerry's a big race fan. Less so. you know, Jerry. You want to give him a call and tell him this well, is Well, not sale? Jerry, but I know Magnus Walker is, has uh, looked <laughs> at this one. He's another Porsche fan. Yeah. Yeah. Magnus Walker is a big admirer yeah. of this fan of this car, and it's here in Austin. And um, Wow. We think it's a really special car. I wanted to honor the 70th year of Porsche, plus uh, put a little bit of race in there, and here mm. we have it. Um, um, it is that 911S from 1968. Um, Do you awesome. think the owner would let me buy him a beer? I think he, he could be <laughs> he, talked yeah, into he it. Could yeah, he probably talked into it. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you're going to be able to meet him because you're going to be able to see this car at the Celis Beer, our Beers and Gears event that we've been having here in Austin. And it's the fourth Wednesday of every month. And you can come and check out this car. Well, Sean Walker, Haggerty Insurance. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate your sponsorship. We're really excited about talking about each new car every week, and uh, we thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Talk All, right. All right. Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gale from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show, Gearheads. We are wrapping up the Mexico Grand Prix today with Max Verstappen winning the race and Lewis Hamilton wrapping up the championship. And I was just looking at the constructor standings. Uh, It's all downhill since they got to Austin for Haas F1. They're now 30 points behind the Renault team. So it looks like... uh, Fifth place is it then. Yeah, it looks like Renault's got that wrapped up with, uh, with Renault behind... I mean, with McLaren... Uh, 22 points behind Haas so I think that's pretty much a given it's going to be really interesting to see Renault take on Red Bull with different engines next year yes that will be very and they having Ricardo yeah Yep, that is going to be one of the best stories. And uh, we're going to be joined here in just a few minutes by Kate Walker. She was at the Grand Prix today. We love Kate Walker. She's a good egg. And so she's going to be calling in here in just a minute. But uh, uh, did you guys see that they had uh, multiple apps on in the App Store? I downloaded the, the second live timing app. I saw you playing with it too, Les. Oh, yeah. An app? Yeah. There's is that like 4K? That. There's <laughs> an app for that. You're not that bad. I know you're not that bad. <laughs> I downloaded it. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, and it, it gave. Is. I wanted the track position where the cars were. Yeah, the the map one. So found that and got it up again. You know that. I mean, that's really handy. It just one. I'm becoming really spoiled to all the different data that we have available for the F1 coverage. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just going to keep on getting better. I, I have no doubt. I'm anxious to see the other things. Uh, you know, getting to see the F1 Vision uh, device that you can have at the racetrack. That was phenomenal. 
Yep. And uh, I, I can't help but, you know, we, we just saw the Mexican Grand Prix, the championship wrapped up, and we were talking about a little bit about Austin with Paul Tarsi, but uh, the success here in Austin this time was just over the top, guys. I think that we really have secured our spot uh, in, and I'm, and I say that, and I mean that because, you know, anytime you have a new race, you're, you kind of have to build and, and build some history behind it. But Jonathan, you, you've been around yeah, the sport forever. You know, and, and, and I, I, I keep hearing you and there's almost an emotional side to your, because you're a local here and you want it to stay here. I, I'm going to give you the business side of it. No one in the United States is, United States is going to build a $500 million Formula One spec circuit anytime soon. I mean, it's just, it's almost an impossibility and an investment that you wouldn't advise unless Liberty Media do it. Yeah, and you were, it was a perfect storm because if you look at the economy of Austin, Texas, the specific geography, the lack of other sports, you know, we've talked about these things over the years, but it was, it was truly a perfect storm. I mean, Austin's economy has been, has been, we've been the fastest growing city. We've been in the top of every top 10 list for business you can think of. And it was a perfect timing, but the the point being is that now after seven Grand Prix here in Austin, it we're I feel that this is fiscally solid. It's historically solid. It is we've built we're building a fan base. You got people coming here because of Austin, because of all the things to do here in Austin. So I think we have just I think it is never going to be a concern in the near future anyway. I, I really don't. And, 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 you know, Liberty have said it uh, as such. They want street races. They want street races in Miami, possibly Vegas. I think California. I think San Diego would be awesome. Um, but that's what they want. They don't want another permanent track. And they, like I said, they see the same thing I do, which is no one's going to suddenly step up and build a track for the sake of it. They're not. It's just not going to happen, especially to F1 specs, which are different than any other form of motorsport. Yeah. I agree. You know, I was talking to somebody from we. Weehawken, who was uh, Weehawken, which is where the New Jersey track was proposed two, three years ago for Port Imperial Racing. They're hoping. Yeah. Weehawken. Yeah. Weehawken. And so they (laughs) were, uh, they were discussing that and said, you know, do you think, what do you think the chances are of getting that back? And said, you know, right now it's anybody's game, but I think Miami is the strongest candidate on that side of the country. And then California for the other is my expectation. And Steve, Stephen Ross from the Miami Dolphins is already invested in F1 as well. Yeah, he's got financial investments, and uh, and yes, I think Miami. You know, he's got I, a big piece of property sitting there that they're going to be using the yeah. stadium there. And you know, I think a lot of people are still really skeptical of Miami. But I, if you, if I had, if I were a betting man, I would bet that Miami is going to happen. I yeah. think I think that I think it's got a lot better chance than we hacking hoping. You're right. Did. You're right. <laughs> did you just say we hacking hoping? We, I was, uh, yeah, I was going to play on words there, but. Um, uh, what else, guys? What about I want to wrap up a little bit more on Austin because it, it wasn't just it was I think it was the fans. I think it was the the people here in Austin leading up to the race. When I have multiple people in my office talking about going to the race, and yeah, some of it's the music, but to me that's just part of the equation. That's how they you know they, they had to figure out how it was going to work here, and we figured it out. And that is, you're going to have a huge marquee of in the music world along with the racing and but there's a lot of people talking about the race now and and not just casually but they uh, they get the race they understand the you know they they know who some of the players are they uh, they understand uh some of the technical sides tire strategies when you hear people in austin start talking tire strategy then you know that there, there's been a huge shift 
I couldn't agree more, and you're right. I, I felt like the level of knowledge that uh, Austinites have uh, about racing. I mean, you know, I noticed it um, with the with, with the guys that you know drive the cars and all the rest of it. They, they're into it. They're into the sport. They get to know. Ricardo goes to a Longhorns game, you know, and you know, and I know that that is a big deal for Texans to see that. That's a huge amount of respect. Uh, by a, an Australian from Melbourne, you know, uh, he's giving back. He is, he, you know, he is loving what you love about Texas. Oh, yeah. And more of them are starting to explore and uh, see see Austin beyond the race itself. Yeah. So I, I think that's huge. And taking not only the, the Austin culture, but the Band American foreigners. culture. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we have a caller on the phone who was in Austin last week for the United States Grand Prix, who was also at, at the Mexico Grand Prix today. We want to welcome to the show Kate Walker. Kate, hey, welcome Kate. to the show. Hello, thanks very much for having me on. How was Mexico for you, my dear? Oh, I absolutely adore this race. Um, you know, the race itself this afternoon could have been even more exciting. But uh, as, a, as an event, this one is absolutely top of the pops. Uh, they've won the best uh, race promoter at the FIA Gala for three years running, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that this year they're going to make it four for four. Yeah, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Listen. They do a fantastic job. I mean, this year we've had a barbershop in the paddock for November, <laughs> so um, all the men are getting sex offender mustaches done in the name of charity. Uh, we've got free churros, we've got chalupas, we have a, mix, um, a mezcal bar, which is a little bit dangerous. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> Listen, uh, Kate, you write for Forbes, you write for uh, ESPN. What, what's kind of, what are you looking at now? You've just, you've been through our neighborhood, so to speak. You've had a look at Austin and Mexico, obviously two races very close to our heart. What are you observing? I've got a really big piece that I'm quite excited about coming out in the New York Times uh, the weekend of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, I don't want to spill too many beans. Oh, go on! It's quite, a, it's quite an exciting story. But uh, yeah, I do the uh, I contribute to the Formula One special reports for the New York Times, uh, which are available online during the race weekend. I don't think you guys in America get the international print edition. Ah, okay. So, um, yeah, what, can um, you give I us know. a hint? What's it? What? Give it. Give me. Give me. Come on, tease me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about the ways in which the technical regulations of the sport uh, might actually be impeding driver progress. Uh, wow, you know, that's category. so funny you said that because we've been talking about the significance of Hamilton's fifth uh, victory, uh, uh, world champion, and, and who who else, if they were in a Mercedes, could have won those victories. And I said, listen, I don't think there's anything between those drivers. They're half a second at best uh, in the same equipment. It, it, are you kind of going on those lines? Uh, I don't think so. I think Hamilton is a special talent, and I'm not just saying that because they're both British. Um, he had this year, I mean, okay, people can talk about the titles from 2014 onwards with being a given because he had the best car, but this year he didn't have the best car, you know, he didn't yeah. have the best car, he had the second best car on the grid and he still managed to sew it up with two rounds left on the calendar. Pretty impressive feat. You know, he's setting records with his collection of pole positions, he's approaching Schumacher in terms of championship wins. Um, yes, he did have three years of an absolutely superior car, but that's no longer the case anymore, and he's actually driving better than he was with his last title. Yeah. Well, Kate, I want to ask you a couple questions, but uh, have you got a chance to hold? Can you hold through the break for just a couple of minutes? We've got to take a quick break, and I want to ask you some questions about Miami and Liberty Media. Okay, no problem. All right, we'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Speed City live from Austin, Texas. I'm not the 
The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake. Featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. Ambia Gusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambia Gusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambia Gusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Agusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Agusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Lone Star Rallycross, a family-friendly, time-trial, loose-surface racing series with affordable events, quality competition, and an emphasis on having fun. Co-founded by multi-time SCCA solo and Rallycross national champion, Rally America class champion, and Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner, Breanne Korn, and her brother, Kevin Korn. Race the same car you drive to work on Monday. Just 20 minutes from the Circuit of the Americas at the state's only purpose-built Rallycross facility. Online at LoneStarRallycross.com. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We're really excited because we have Kate Walker, a longtime Formula One journalist on the phone. And Kate, when we went to break, I wanted to ask you... Ask oh <laughs> I think she don't ding dong. We have lost Kate Walker. I want to get her back because I want to get her opinion on a couple things that Liberty is doing, including Miami. But because it, it is a, they have, they're in a very interesting spot now, Liberty Media. We touched on this earlier in the year when Miami was first announced, but the, the contracts and the way Formula One has done contracts up to now and the way they may have to change that that plan in the future with with new circuits new countries well they're they're at a, they're at a very interesting point in their career because they are and Austin included about to renegotiate several contracts uh Hockenheim was one Silverstone's another Silverstone decided to pull out uh it's it's effectively you know it's contract they had a choice they had a, a time to pull out uh and Kate was talking to me about um how she Things that uh, Silverstone could be uh, usurped, if you will, by a potential street wow. race in London. 
And you talk about we, we got Austin Which settled is in. Incredible. Yeah. Well, Austin's all settled in, but Silverstone is is Formula One almost. I mean, it's so well. You know, I you know, I, I it's funny as a Brit, I'm actually not as nostalgic as about it as as as, as perhaps I should be. Um, but I really don't think uh, the Formula One would suffer from from losing Silverstone. It would be a shame. Uh, but if it was in London, I think it would. You know, it would also almost have a bigger impact. Yeah. No, I I agree. I don't think it would it wouldn't kill the sport or anything like that like the discussions of Ferrari leaving I think it would be a less impactful thing than that but it's still such a big deal but but yeah hopefully we'll get Kate back here and we'll talk about that in a minute but uh, well circling back a little bit on the contract side of it you know Austin has got their contract coming up we've had seven of ten mm-hmm. and so we got to sign our contract and there's been other circuits that have talked about their contracts as well. Hockenheim uh, is one um, in Germany. And as you know, um, Nürburgring and Hockenheim have, have sort of shared a two-year deal yep. uh, in Germany. And there have been other years where Germany has two Grand Prix and there's obvious interest from Mercedes, from the German drivers. Uh, and, you know, it, it makes sense. Um uh, and another of Silverstone. Silverstone is the other one that really stands out. Uh, but I do think we will move away from uh, potentially like the Azerbaijans, ob- obscure places trying to get on the map. I think that era, uh, which was Bernie's very much era, is gone. Hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, that will be interesting to see because Azerbaijan... I don't know. It has. It's a great race, but you know, you you have to ask: Does DHL, does Xfinity, uh, you know, do these companies gain anything by going there? Yeah, follow the money back. You're absolutely right. Uh, Let's see. What I want to ask you, if we can get get Kate, we'll continue that discussion. But I wanted to ask you guys about some of the other spots down the grid a little bit, Jonathan. Like, like Stoffel Van Dorn. you know, obviously, he has not compared well against uh, the iconic Fernando Alonso all year. But uh, you know, what do you think about his last few races? Uh, they are vital. I, I don't honestly think. I think it's too too little, too late. Uh, I don't think uh, the McLaren's just not capable. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Stoffel, who is a very good driver, has this is a classic example of that strategy. And and, and like I said, this is what Kate's article, I'm sure, will be about. Um, you know, it, it is it is to identify. The choices you make and what what position it puts you in, um, you know, you get quarterback for the for the Cleveland Browns, then who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, his uh, his future is confirmed. He is going to Formula E next year with the Mercedes team HWA Race Lab. So, you know, we know where he's going, but uh, I'm still in debate about Formula E as far as it being a legit racing series. The popularity Ooh. fan base. Your fan well, boys hey, is still a sore point. They don't me. sign much, but no, what I, I do. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I I agree. I mean, because I still have a hard time. I mean, there's so many people saying this is it. This is great. It's it's the next big thing. But I I'm still well, having a hard time getting excited. A single excited. car per race now, instead of each team having two of them, and you get a 60 second car change, you know, break period in the middle of it. And and I just think. You know, it's going to take some time. They're improving it. Uh, I still don't know how they're going to make something that sounds like a golf cart be exciting. <laughs> sounds like and, a really badass golf cart, though. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's just one of those things that, you know, I, I miss the rumble of the and scream of the F1 cars. But this takes it to a whole nother level to have, you know, that Tesla hum behind it, even though, even if it does have the acceleration. My concern is they're never going to hit something that is truly exciting 
in the realm of F1 because they also have a self-imposed restriction that they primarily will only run street races. Yeah. So definitely safety limitations are, are going to impact that. It's not often I say this, but I'm 100% with Les uh, on <laughs> form, <laughs> Formula E. I really, oh, wait, I really am. Say? I know. It does nothing for me. It really does. And, and I think I, I call it a Formula One uh, driver graveyard. I really do, because that's where the guys that don't get into Formula One, Sam Bird, uh, Piquet, um, you know, and, and that's terrible to say because they are all talented drivers, but it's just, it, it just happens. Hasn't ignited my mojo, baby. Well, I, here's here's what I say. Yes, we've got folks that didn't make the uh, the grid for F1 going there. Or they've already been there, and they want something a little more low key. Well, that's great, but <laughs> I just don't see it for someone coming up in their career as much as I see F3 or F4, anything like that. I do see it more as the uh, the geriatric uh, scooter. I mean, okay, <laughs> let me let me give you a, a straight, simple answer. Let's let's pick up the phone now, call Brennan Hartley, and say, "Hey, man, Toro Rosso is not working out." What do you want to do indie or f oh yeah no brainer no brainer it's a no-brainer yeah oh yeah he 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 loves the state so much anyway so that's that's really all i you think it's know. because indy's coming to austin i think that's why he would that's, say that is that why i said it oh yeah <laughs> that's why he would be. say yes i love it <laughs> well you know he would be uh the one driver on the on the uh in the indy field that has more laps than alexander rossi on this track that's true. Hey, yeah, speaking of that, Indy's coming to Austin tomorrow, actually, for just a little test. Ah, yeah. Yes, so, so, so follow our social media because we'll be talking about a little Indy car tomorrow because they're coming to Austin. Little Tony Canan, but action. But yes, a Brazilian sir. action with uh, Alexander Rossi. Yeah, that's right. You know, we've seen, we were there the day that Kurt Busch drove a NASCAR tr- uh, car on Circuit of the Americas. That was the same day they had the uh, Australian Super V8s in town. We but, were also there when Clint Boyer told us, stop wearing them skinny old jeans. <laughs> that's right. I, was, I forgot who said that the other day. We were talking about the outfits that the Red Bull guys were wearing, those faux You'll boots. You'll appreciate and, this, Les. We asked Clint Boyer, we said, uh, what, 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 what needs, to, how do we grow this sport in the United States? Clint Boyer, being a good old boy and being in NASCAR, said it straight like it is. He goes, y'all need to loosen up and have some more fun. Stop wearing them skinny old jeans. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was good. It's hard to loosen What's up when you're wearing skinny jeans. It is. What's it's very point? hard. Yeah, Clint's got it wrapped up. He's right got it going. I like it. Good old Clint boy. And then we went and ate barbecue. Yep. That's what goes on right there. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What, what else, guys, after today's race? Any any big thoughts? I mean, with championships wrapped up? I, I, do, I have to say, um, you know, we, we don't like to see the same car winning every weekend, but I have to say this has been a phenomenal season for Lewis Hamilton. If you didn't have, if you're not a Lewis Hamilton fan yet, uh, this was the time to say, wow. I'm, 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 you know, he's not my favorite driver, but I have to say, my word, did he, I mean, some of those pole laps, Singapore, Sochi, uh, his clear headedness, his speed alone, over 81 poles now, uh, I believe. It's just incredible. All right, Jonathan, uh, Brazil coming up next. Uh, you have to pronounce the circuit. I know you, <laughs> I know you, have you been to this circuit in Brazil? Yeah, Premio Haikanan da Brasilia. Sao Paulo, I see. Yeah, okay, that's why I got you we, to say We call it. it Interlagos, which means between two lakes. That's yeah, actually go. what it is. So we got so. two weeks coming up. I don't know Brazil. why they're giving that some fancy name. <laughs> You've been up in Texas way too long. Uh, yeah, man. well, they're giving it some Heineken name. <laughs> but it's Interlagos. Interlagos, as the uh, locals would say, between two lakes. 
Uh, so what what are we going to look at? And when we've got everything all wrapped up, we don't have anything to re- really for. I mean, Haas is the the, the uh, constructors, but still a race for best of the rest. You know, yeah. admittedly, we're looking at third, fourth, fifth place, but uh, it's it's still there. Yeah, I yeah, like that. It's true, and I think you know we got to keep a look out for Red Bull. I think it's um, a place where both Verstappen and Ricardo can shine. It's a strange race weekend in many ways because um, it almost always seems to rain and when it does then you really get an exciting brazilian grand prix it really is uh, and also it's one of the it's a shame that it that, that the championship's over because festival wise um it's one of the most uh iconic events on the calendar the brazilians i mean you know they live and breathe for two things football and motor racing <laughs> and that's it in that order <laughs> that's great and of course it's another one o'clock start for us we don't have to get up in the middle of the night for that one i like that as well and all right, boys, we've got about two minutes left, and I, I think I want to I want to think about next year just a little bit. We've got a couple more races left here, but if we, uh, if we start thinking about next year, we don't have the 2021 rules coming in yet, and we're going to still be you – know, there, there, there's obviously going to be some evolution of cars and, and manufacturers. We've already talked about Renault being the team to watch. That's what we're predicting, and with Daniel Ricciardo going there. And Haas. And Haas, of course. So what else for next year, Jonathan? Um, I think it's going to be an interesting year. It depends. I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Honda slips into uh, the Red Bull. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, Williams can get themselves out of this ridiculous mire that they're in, uh, who the second driver will be. Um, that's all up in the air. I think it's going to be Kubica, and I, li- I would like to. The poetic side of me says that'd be great to see um, Robert uh, back in Formula 1. That'd be a good story, yeah. It would be right. a good story, and I think he could do a lot with Williams, especially as they're the absolute rock bottom at the moment um, and I, I really do think it's going to be interesting to watch Renault uh, try to beat the, the top three yeah what about you Les what about 2019 2019 we're getting back you know we're, we're getting into the retro part the cars are looking more, a little more mm-hmm. like yeah. to look well now we're bringing up the tail getting wider and deeper in it for 19 so that's going to help a lot of the teams that have been complaining about back end downforce limitations in their design so with the change of that rear wing, they're going some of those, you know, potentially Williams is going to be able to secure that back end, get it planted a little better. I yep. think that could make a difference, especially for those that are having the problem. You know, we've mm. seen tr- what track records fall at virtually every circuit this year. That's been right. interesting True. to see. Yep. And who knows, maybe that evolution will continue next year. Maybe not because we did, I, I don't know, with the new cars, we might. To be honest, I'm also looking on the flip side, uh, the Kate Walker side, if you will. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at what goes on in the business of Formula One with Liberty Media. They've got some big decisions to make. Uh, I, I, I actually feel that they're in the right place to, to make those decisions. And I, I'm really looking forward to what they do with the sport of uh, and the business of Formula All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. We will be uh, on our website with all this content, speedcitybroadcast.com. Follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, all the other social accounts. And we will talk to you next week. Travel safe, y'all. Adios. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.